On this episode of Attack of the Killer Podcast, we're going to be talking about family values. Strong morals taught to us by fathers in the entertainment industry, such as Bill Cosby. Uh. Oh, wait, that, that's a bad example. Sorry, let me, let me, let me um, think of something else here. Then there is the special relationship between a father and his daughter, much like Woody Allen. Oh, shit. Oh, no. <laughs> Wrong again. Um... Well then, uh, we need a father that takes the moral high ground. The only pure TV father would have to be a dad as a pastor, like that guy on Seventh Heaven. Mm. Okay, uh, yeah, this isn't working. Uh, Forget all that. Um, Evil fathers on this episode of Attack of the Killer Podcast. Attention planet Earth and beyond. Stay tuned for Attack of the Killer Happy Father's Day, everybody, from all of us here at Attack of the Killer Podcast. And what better way to celebrate the wholesomeness of fatherhood than to talk about murderous, psychotic dads. <laughs> so it should be a pretty good show. Yeah. Um, so first off, I, uh, if you haven't listened to our show before, I will try to explain it. <laughs> Attack of the Killer Podcast is a horror movie podcast where a group of friends get together and discuss horror movies within a certain topic. It is a free-for-all open discussion, so there's going to be spoilers. Just going to warn you now, because we won't later. Attack of the Killer podcast is so much more than just this one single show. There's plenty more content from us out there, and you can get all of that content by being a Patreon supporter. There are various rewards for being a Patreon supporter, one of which I'm having a lot of fun with, and that's our $3 tier called Rock and Roll Nightmare, where you get a playlist of Attack of the Killer podcast music, you get Brian's amazing intros from, um, to the Insane's Pick segment, um, you get to ask us a question that'll be a topic for our next bonus episode, uh, but the part that I'm most excited about uh, is the new series that I started called Insane Mike's One Minute Top Ten List. So I've been having a blast recording these shows. It's been a lot of fun. Um, And you can check them out by going to patreon.com backslash AOTKP and check out the different reward levels so you can start getting that extra content now. Do it now! So now is everybody's favorite part of the show, and that's when I introduce you to the podcast crew. All of those children of the corn consider him their father. That is why they call him Popcorn. Tad Good, everybody. (laughs) Hello. (laughs) That's always a groan from him. That's great. Uh, he married the woman from People Under the Stairs, and now he's a stepdad. Jason Bollinger! Oh my god, these are bad. Hi, everybody! Oh. Are these worse than last episode? This is pun city. Yep. Everything he learned about being a father, he learned from watching Godzilla's Revenge. Brian Clark, everybody! <laughs> <laughs> that is pretty accurate, yeah. Hello, everyone. <laughs> 
She asked her father, how much does it cost to get married? And her dad said, I don't know, I'm still paying for it. Terry Turford! <laughs> <laughs> Hello! Lastly, our special guest, he had a heart-to-heart with his son when he accidentally walked in on him having sex. His son asked what they were doing, and he said, your mother and I were making a baby. And his son said, flip her over, I want a puppy. Mike Reeve, everybody! <laughs> wow, thanks. Oh. Hello. How is everybody doing? You survived the intros yeah. yet again. Gosh, dang. Embarrassed <laughs> for Mike. What? A little embarrassed for Mike. <laughs> yeah, save the best for last on that one. Yep. Uh, I got three dogs, so yeah. (laughs) 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 Okay, so with that said, I'm going to turn it over to Ted. (laughs) All right, um... Going to go around and ask everybody what we watch. So I am going to start with our guest first, Mr. Mike Reeb. What have you watched this past week or two that um, isn't on the podcast this week? Um, You know what? It's actually pretty sad. I haven't had a chance really to watch much of anything. The only thing I have seen is yesterday I saw the trailer for Suspiria. That's literally yeah. about it. What'd you think? Yeah, and it, it was it was a trailer for Suspiria. So I'm, <laughs> I, I, I'm on the fence. It's it wasn't it wasn't a bad trailer. We'll we'll see. I'm I'm kind of at this point right now where I just kind of try to be like cautiously optimistic without getting excited about anything. Yeah, don't want the hopes to get up too much. But this it, it did look like that. It does have some promise compared to what was being said about a year ago where i think a year ago everything was just sounding really bad about it hmm. so well, it see. sort of uh didn't there wasn't much you know like there was very little information about it for a long time and then suddenly we started getting some little uh posters and then out of nowhere boom a trailer so it was i don't know i'm i'm always optimistic but i'm not like you know, I'm not as excited for this as I am Halloween, obviously. Halloween's never going to live up to my hopes, but um, I'm so excited for it. <laughs> At least you know that now. Yeah. But I'll tell you what, I, I fucking loved this trailer. I, I thought Me it, too. I thought the, <clears throat> the cinematography was fucking great. Like, every shot in there was uh, very deliberate, and it was gorgeous. And even even more than that, the score to the trailer was outstanding and if it if the movie's score is anything like that i am super excited i don't care that there's not blue and red gels everywhere i like i'm glad i'm glad there's not because that's yeah. already been done right that's what i would say, I too. Would say too oh oh somebody took their headphones, took off. Their headphones off oh this is weird i'm afraid to talk i'm afraid to talk or am i <laughs> Um. Okay. Okay. Uh, but uh, yeah, because Dario already did it. You know, this is something new. But it, I don't know. It looks um, just the shots look super thoughtful and precise and fucking gorgeous. And I don't know. 
That, I like and, the, and the fonts. The muted color. Uh, yeah, and there's great fonts. Uh, the the new the sort of design. Yeah, the title design they put on Facebook is very Saul Bass, so it's like, you know, very, I don't know, very cool. I'm excited. Me too. I think, I think what's going to be hard about this one is it's going to be one of those movies where everybody's comparing it to the original, and that that's going to be tough for it, I think. What do you think, Mike, as you sit there making no expression at all while this discussion's going on? Well, one, I need to watch it again because it left a bad taste in my mouth because I tried watching it on my phone. Oh. And I about threw my phone across the room because <laughs> it froze up my phone, it oh. kept lagging, and I was just fucking pissed. Be mad and at I was the already movie, in a bad mood by the time I actually got to see it in its entirety. So, um, I'm, I can't. It, yeah, the, the trailer looks, looks beautiful. It looks like it could be a pretty good film. Could be a pretty good movie for a movie that just happens to be called Suspiria. You know, um, I just I just never understood what is the what would be the point of remaking this one. Is it that popular of a of a title? It's considered to warrant s- making a new movie because like it's, on, there's like two there's two people in this world. There's people that know Suspiria and they're probably going to go into it with a bad attitude. And there's people that have no idea what the fuck that word even but means. On, in every list of scariest movies of all time, this movie's on mm-hmm. it, top five, if not number one, most lists. Like sure. it's renowned. Sure. Therefore, it is but, popular. But those two types of people still apply. There's the type of people who've seen Suspiria and don't give a shit about those lists. And but what <laughs> another read those lists and think they? But you know, another one of the uh, the uh, silver linings to all the remakes is what a great thing this could be to turn people onto Argento. What a yeah, great gateway! Right. It could be. That, I mean, there's you know? al- there is always a silver lining to this. It's like. It's like I said with Ghostbusters. You know, we got a whole new line of original Ghostbusters toys because they made a remake of All Women, you know? But I know um, normies aren't going to know the original. And yeah, so I just don't, I just don't know if this is going to be a... I, I just don't know if this, is a, if this title is a draw, is my concern. You know, because like even for those who have no context, what does that word even... What does the title even mean? It sounds cool. Yeah, what it mean the first time, you know? Well, I still couldn't tell you yeah. what the word "suspiria" <laughs> means, but um, I know what it means to me, and that's you mm-hmm. know, the original film, the Argento film, and and you know, I'm, I'm not saying I'm anti them making this movie. I just don't understand it because I've I always feel like I mean, it's always a money issue when it comes to taking these properties and redoing them, you know. Yeah, that's why we'll probably you know never see a um, a remake of City of the Living Dead because who the hell wants to, who the hell wants to see a remake of that and who and those who would is maybe like five people who even know who Bruno Mattei is. So um, wait, City isn't Bruno Mattei. Oh, failed. Yeah, I, I fucked up. But anyway, but. I don't know. That's my point. I mean, the trailer looked good. It's probably going to be a good movie that you know just happens to be called Suspiria. Um, I, again, I need to watch it again because I didn't really have anything to latch on to because I was already in a bad mood when I watched it. So I went in with the wrong attitude. But uh, I don't know. You know, for me, that movie, the original movie, is ninety-five percent style over content, 
and I remember the first time watching that movie and after the movie how much I loved it, but couldn't tell you a damn thing of what the story or plot was. So, um, so yeah, it's a movie that's not. Yeah, I just am curious to see what direction they'll take with it. It looks still rather stylized, but I love my gels too. So, I don't know, Brian. What about you? I haven't watched the trailer. Oh, okay. Yeah, I don't really watch trailers, but I know that Dakota What's-Her-Face is in it, and I can't stand her. Old <laughs> well, Dakota What's-Her-Face. I'm with you on not watching trailers for like for the most part. For this, I, I probably will watch it, because since it's a remake, the trailer will give me a, an idea of what direction they're taking it in and whether I like that direction or not, because it's not going to give anything away. I already know what the movie's about. Yeah. I just, I, I don't, I'm kind of with Mike on that. I see no purpose in doing this. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there, there are so many movies out there that could be remade and, and updated in some way and made something really special, and this just seems like all it's going to be is, well, this isn't Argento and Goblin. <laughs> like, take, take yeah. something that isn't such a renowned classic and do something new with it, you know? Well, someone should tell Argento that with Dracula. Yeah. <laughs> Have you seen his Dracula? Cause it's awesome. Yes. No, it's not. <laughs> I own it, and it was the worst dollar fifty I spent. <laughs> I I still have it paused on the barn scene at the beginning. So. <laughs> Anyways, um, Terry, what did you watch? Um, I watched uh, Winchester. Yeah. It was fine, I guess. <laughs> I had I mean I was really I had high hopes because uh Helen Mirren and Jason Clark are both in it and I like them a lot, but <clears throat> I guess I mean I knew a little bit about the history of the house going in and they played on that a little bit, but I think they made it way cheesier than it needed to be. Like, it's just cool on its own. And they made it weird. I thought they just didn't... They could have, like, made it more about how disorienting the house could be and sort of play with that more. I hate The little kid, I hated so much. I wanted him to die. Like, (laughs) ugh. But yeah, they really didn't play up a lot on the, the different architecture. I mean, they did some, but... I feel like they just didn't want to spend more money on the set. Sort of like, yeah, here's a few things. That's that's enough. Yeah. They get it. <laughs> yeah, had a lot of uh, potential, but didn't live up to it for me. Yeah, for sure. Well, Jason. Yeah. What did you watch? What did you watch, Jason? Hey, I watched a few things. I'll go really fast on a couple. Uh the main one I was uh, excited to talk about was uh, Shudder put out the f- first part of Leviathan, the story of Hellraiser and Hellbound Hellraiser 2. And that's the, that new documentary that's on the Arrow release, the Scarlet Box trilogy. Um, but it's on Shudder. Anybody get a chance to watch that? I No, but I'm going to now. Yeah, I clicked on it and then like, no, I can't start this now. I got other stuff I got to do, so... <laughs> So I almost pulled it, trick pulled the trigger, but I want to see it really bad. Yeah, 
I, so, I didn't know they had that coming out. So yeah, totally gonna check that out. Yeah. So, um, so here's the thing. It's good enough. It's it's um, it's interesting and it's a good watch. I mean it. It's okay. It's good, but like it's hard to be negative for me. I'm sorry. It's but uh, you know, I felt like it, it kind of needs an editor. You know, like it's not as a documentary. I don't know how good it is. Like, and everybody's on it except Clive Barker, but everyone else is on there, and and I just, I'm not on there. Uh, I'll, you you might look through the credits at the end. You might be, and uh, <laughs> but everyone related to the films is in there and on it. But so it's good because they do talk about a lot of shit that you don't know, and they tell a lot of great stories and stuff. I'm just not sure it's the best documentary. It's it's a whole lot of people talking about how much they are in love with Clive Barker and how he's a genius. But they but there's a lot of cool stuff in there too. So I don't know. It's not as a documentary, maybe not the best thing, but it's still super awesome just uh, to hear the stories and stuff from the movie. But yeah, it's on Shutter. It's awesome. Uh, the other thing I had a freaking blast watching is uh, Tina and I we. Uh, totally Marathon Barry on HBO. Anybody watch that yet? No. Oh, man. It's awesome. So it stars Bill Hader as Barry, and he's a ex-military person who's come back, has a hard time, and a friend talks him into being a hitman. And so he's a hitman, and then his newest hit... Uh, He's following him, and he follows him to an acting class. And then he really likes this acting class and wants to give up being a hitman to be an actor. And it's Bill Hader, and it's he's the funniest fucking guy ever. And Stephen Root's in it, and Henry Winkler's in it. It's got a great big part, and he's super great. And uh, there's only eight episodes. I, I think they're half-hour-ish, so it's really easy to get through, but... But yeah, you know, I think there's some good gore, and it's it's funny but serious, and it's it's fun seeing Bill Hader play a kind of straight, serious bad guy, kinda. I wanted to check it out, but um, I'd have to get a second job to afford HBO. So oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, HBO now is what I got anyway. And then I, we started watching Lost in Space. I'm only halfway through it, but I really like it too. More sci-fi, but I really am enjoying the reboot on Netflix. Anybody else catch that? Yeah, no, the trailer. Didn't I think it's weird that there's a whole movement of people thinking the robot is hot. What? Yeah, what is that about? I saw yeah. you stuff serious? about that too. Yeah. His arms Netflix are too long. Like they're they're playing up on it. Like they're they're pushing it too. The hot robot. Yeah, they're like I they know. made like a little promo video of like. Uh, all the people like that were tweeting about like its butt and its and how sexy what? it was and stuff. Yeah, I had no idea this was going on. <laughs> yeah. Uh, now you know. Now I'm something. more excited to finish the season. <laughs> I watched the trailer and I it just did not look interesting. That's what got me excited. And I love the original series, but I know you that's mostly nostalgic. Yeah. More than anything else. And you've come and out also as... the difference between. The, between 60s sci-fi and modern sci-fi is 60s sci-fi is is colorful 
Well, that's what I was going to say. It's come out how you're not you're so having so hard time with sci-fi films because most of them are dull color monochromatic sci-fi films. Yeah, it's a whole lot of gray and silver. Yeah, that apparently bothers Mike. That's why he's going to have a hard time with Suspiria. It's just. My, it, it's just got an attention enough. span of a gnat, you know. Like you got to give me flashy lights and bright colors for me to pay attention. How I just don't understand how flying through space and explosions and lasers and shit isn't giving you that. Your attention span is hard. What? Did you? Yeah. All right. I'm done. <laughs> all right, uh, insane Mike. What do you watch? Okay, well, um, I mean, I, I watched a few things, but it was mostly like binge watching um, the newest season of Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt. Um, <laughs> Do you watch it yet, Terry? Um, I've watched most of it. I think I'm probably at least halfway through. I don't think it's a full season that's up either. So well, it kind of snuck up on me. Like I didn't even realize it was coming, and I got an email from Netflix. So I'm like, oh shit! I didn't know there was a new one. <laughs> Well, same same thing because I could have sworn I read somewhere that it got canceled. So they, were, I didn't think it was going to even oh, come really? out with this season. Yeah. Oh, I well, haven't that. It's not. I don't know if it's so much canceled as they decided that this would be like the last season. Like it was a okay. mutual thing that. Mm-hmm. So they split. They split it up between two. I don't know if I can live without my Titus though. But anyway, so I, I binge watched that, and then I binge watched the 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 second half of the uh, first season of the Toys That Made Us. Which yeah. was freaking awesome. Totally. Except for the Hello Kitty episode. But the the main thing I really wanted to talk about was I went back and I I watched something that I've seen like a thousand times that I've watched it in, with new eyes, I feel like. Um, you know, you have like your comfort food movies and you watch them over and over and over again. And a lot of those movies are movies from your childhood that um, I don't think you've ever fully taken the blinders off from your childhood you still always kind of watch those movies with those same childlike eyes that you had back then so i rewatched and watched watched it and really really paid attention and watched the toxic avenger a couple nights a few nights ago oh, i like yeah. put it in to go to sleep at night i always put a movie in when i go to bed and it's always weird fucked up shit like toxic avenger but um but for some reason, I just laid there and just ended up watching the whole movie and didn't didn't go to bed until like like two in the morning. So, um, and I really, really still I love this movie, but like I think in a new capacity from when I used to love it, like because it it may I've I've said for years now that my favorite trauma movie is either like Terra Firma or Tromeo and Juliet, but it may have to go all the way back to the original Toxic Avenger. It is such. It is. It is their best film, both on a technical side, and storytelling side, and all that stuff. Um, but like, I noticed things in this movie that I've never noticed before, or like, I mean, they were there, but it never really mattered until now. Like, the biggest thing is the Mexican restaurant scene. Like, why in the hell are there samurai swords on the wall of a Mexican restaurant? (laughs) And why is there a pizza oven in a Mexican restaurant? (laughs) And why do they deep fat fry their tacos? So, so, so it's a lot, it was a lot of stuff like that that really like jumped out at me. I think this is also the first time I really noticed Marissa Tomei in the movie. I was like, oh yeah, that is her. 
So, you know, it's it's a lot of stuff like that, of, like, things I've either never put, put uh, picked up on or just either or didn't even pay attention to before. Um, like, like, by the end of the, you know, by we get to the third act and everybody starts to think he's an actual monster and not a hero except for a group of kids, one cop and one of the guys that works at the taco place. <clears throat> and the mayor... Gets all these military people all out there in this tent in the woods. And the Toxic Avenger comes out. He doesn't defend his actions or anything that he's done. He just punches the mayor of the city in the gut. Rips the mayor's guts out. The mayor dies. And the whole town and military applaud. <laughs> so, yeah, I love the Toxic Avenger all over again. That's what I watched. <laughs> Excellent. I uh, didn't really have a whole lot I watched. I did watch some, I think I actually watched all of the season two of The Toys That Made Us while I was doing some work, and I watched a whole bunch of horror shorts that I won't <laughs> talk too much about because I don't want to spoil anything, but uh, yeah, that's I ha that's all I've really watched this week, so I don't have a whole lot to contribute. And Brian? Yeah, Brian, what did you watch? Oh, damn it. I was hoping to keep the streak rolling. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I totally felt bad we skipped over you last episode. <laughs> I, I was just going to sit back and see what happened. Uh, <laughs> last night, I watched Tex Montana Will Survive. Uh, it's by Jeremy Gardner, who was in the battery and had a small part in Spring. And it's a mockumentary where it's like a complete one-hander. He's the only person in it the whole time. And it's sort of a, kind of in the idea of like a Bear Grylls survival host type of thing, except he's like, more like one of the guys from Duck Dynasty. But he has a survival show and he gets accused of um, kind of what Bear Grylls got accused of, you know, the crew helping him out too much and him not really being out there surviving. So he goes out into the woods to prove that he's a real survivalist and gets lost immediately and I have not laughed that hard at a movie in a long time. Um, it's streaming free on Prime if you have Prime. If not, go buy a copy. It's awesome. Tex Montana will survive. Sweet. Awesome. Yeah, I like those guys. I love Battery. and I know you do. Yeah. <laughs> I also watch Creep. I finally watched it. About damn time, I think. I know. Loved it. Sweet. Okay. So, now we, we uh, should probably get into the heart of the show, and that is talking about evil father films. Alright, so, um, why don't we have Tad start us off with a, uh, with a film? I gotta go first. I will go with... <laughs> I'll edit that part well, out, don't No. <laughs> I will go with... Um, I'm going to pick The Stepfather. Okay. And The Stepfather is about a creepy stepfather um, that murdered his entire family, remarries, and uh, remarries a woman with a teenage daughter who suspects something's up with this guy. And then there's a detective that's sort of onto him and going after him. And, yeah, um... 
this guy is a psychopath. It sort of a, a, uh, fits this episode perfectly. Totally. It's true. Yeah, it really does. Yeah. What, what did you guys think? Uh, I would love to hear um, Brian's thoughts first. Because oh, I have a feeling, I, from what I saw, <laughs> he didn't care for this one. Oh. No, no, it is not for me. Um, <laughs> this is <laughs> nice kind of everything I didn't like about horror of this time that wasn't either like monster movies or straight up slashers. Like, it was kind of the beginning of the gentrification is the wrong word. I mean, there's still some fairly violent kills in it, but, like, you can see the DNA of, like, really shitty 90s horror in this movie everywhere. Yeah, Um, yeah. A lot of it just plays like a after-school special, almost. Like, the acting was all super, like, shitty community theater. Um, The score was Awful. awful yeah i Jesus yeah Christ. Was there were so many like synthesizer keyboard sam- uh symbol crash noises in the opening credits yeah <laughs> i mean they in the i was gonna have to down a bottle of painkillers in the end credits they thanked kurzweil and they're a keyboard company oh that mm-hmm. makes a and, lot like, of you sense. know it was all done on a keyboard <laughs> yeah and Terrible. I don't think it was composed on a keyboard so much as they just <laughs> left it on and, and they the let the director's yeah. cat walk back yeah. and forth across it. <laughs> there are times. It fucking, yeah. Oh, not good. Painful. Yeah, that was probably one of the worst parts of this movie. Break, break, break. Yeah, the, the part where he kills her therapist when he's pretending to like to sell in the house. I think that was that was pretty brutal. That it was okay, yeah. but yeah, the rest of it was just cheesy lame yeah (laughs) i will say this i think i actually enjoyed this movie for one reason and it's because i watched the monster vision version on youtube Uh, oh sweet which you let me know about way too fucking late yeah i watched that one instead (laughs) and and i if and if any of our listeners have not seen this i suggest watching it that way because uh, Joe Bob is on on his best game during oh, this episode, man. and and not only makes fun of the movie constantly, just belittles it and makes fun of it, but uh, just has a whole ton of terrific rants about um, parenting and all kinds of great stuff. Oh, awesome! <laughs> I'm gonna have to go watch it again and just fast forward through the movie parts and just watch Joe Bob's segments. Yeah, yeah. I don't hate this movie. Um, it's definitely one of those that, so in the eighties, I thought it was a, I thought it was a good movie. And I remember also thinking Stepfather 2 is even better and awesome. Uh, so I kind of wish I picked Stepfather 2 instead to see if that holds up. Cause that's, that's dra- directed by Jeff Burr, part two. Oh is. shit. Yeah. Um, this one's directed by Joseph Rubin, who did like Dreamscape, Sleeping with the Enemy, The Good Son, and The Good Son. Yeah, yeah. That's right. Um, but uh, yeah, it's it's definitely one of those that did not hold up for my first viewing. I mean, yeah, Terry O'Quinn, awesome. He's awesome. Yeah, good actor, and I like what he does with the character. And it's him in the second one too. So oh. so maybe. I, I'm just gonna have to probably watch part two on my own because I think maybe <laughs> I have so so much more of a boner for part two that it kind of 
bled into my perspective um, of the uh, first one. We're just talking about your bleeding boner. This yeah, episode if, uh, took exactly. a turn real quick. Uh, bleeding boners with your stepdad. <laughs> Wait, also, you guys' boners don't bleed? Uh, uh, it's also got it's also got Jill uh, Shulin in it. Popcorn! Who, who I think is probably yep. the most underrated scream queen of the 80s. Yeah, she's Because every time I see a movie with her in it, I'm like, oh, there's another one that she's in. She did that Robert England's Phantom of the Opera. Yep. Popcorn, which I fucking love. Love Popcorn. It. Uh, when a Stranger Calls Back. Uh, she's in Curse 2, The Bite. And an Attack of the Killer podcast favorite, Cutting Class. <laughs> Uh-huh. So I was so happy to see her in this movie. Uh totally forgetting she was in it. Now, I don't know how and I I wanted to pose this question uh or maybe I should wait till I find out how everybody feels about this movie. I'll come back to I'll come back to Jill. Uh my Jill discussion a little later, but saying uh, she's in Curse 2 is not sweetening the deal. That movie sucks worse than stuff out there. I was waiting for you to say something. <laughs> so um Mike, what what do you think of Stepfather? I had a really good time with it. I actually watched it today, and um, yeah, I, I remember watching this you know a long time ago when I was on cable. Yeah, I remember liking it back then. I watched it today, and again, I loved everything with Terry O'Quinn. He was just awesome. Yeah, to me, yeah, that, that guy's just awesome. And you know, Jill, I'm a big fan of hers. Big fan of Jill. Yep. But you know what? I, I'm wondering if you're thinking the same thing because there was one scene that really bugged me, and it was a Jill scene. Yeah, and so, uh, and it, it was a shower scene. Yep, yep, that's the one I want to get into. And I'm like, of course oh, you do. Oh my god! You know, I'm watching this like, okay, I'm sure she's like of age and everything, but her character is specifically said to be 16. Yeah, it now is. I'm it not, is pointed uh, out she is 16 ooh. in this movie. She's tw- the the actress is 23 when they made the movie, but yeah. Uh, hey, Mike. Yeah, I'm yeah. talking to Reeb, not Saunders oh, okay. now. Sorry. H- have you seen an Italian movie called Wild Beasts? Because <laughs> if that made you uncomfortable. <laughs> well, I've not seen that one yet. That one has actual underage nudity in it. Uh, yeah. yeah. I mean, it's more side boob than anything, but still yeah, and wrong. What was, what was weird about that scene, though, it seemed as like, okay, we're going with like, we're going to put gratuitous nudity shot here. It's like, well, wait here now. What? Yeah, it, it, just, it is out of place. Yeah, yeah, it was quite the most unnecessary thing about that movie. And at first, I thought it was a body double until she's actually in the shower, and you get to see from the uh, from the rib cage up to her face. So. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and that was what I wanted to ask. Like, why? Even you know, even though I know she's twenty three. And I find her really attractive, but why does that shower scene, the fact that her character is 16 year old, 16 years old, why is that creepy as hell? But then we don't even think twice about the nudity in other slashers like Friday Thirteenth, The Burning, Halloween. We see PJ Soul's boobs in uh, the original Halloween, and she's a high school character. I don't know, maybe we're always just kind of hoping they're 18 and feel okay with it. 
I the the biggest thing I feel I think that I chalk it up to is like one this one felt creepy because they made it a point to point out she's sixteen, mm-hmm. and the fact that Jill is an actress that actually does look like the part she's playing, where PJ Souls doesn't look like she's a sixteen seventeen year old. You know, any of those girls in the Friday Thirteenth movies don't look like they're in their teens, so maybe that has something to do with it. I don't know. I just was curious on everybody's perspective on that. Yeah, I think you're. I think there's a, a certain amount of assumption. It's like, oh, these people are seniors. This is okay. Yeah. <laughs> not not senior citizens. No, I mean seniors <laughs> in high school. But you know what I mean. Have you seen the movie? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Anyone else want to weigh in? I just thought it was my biggest problem with this movie was the way the story was told. I'm not I mean I'm sure this happens in plenty of movies, but what was weird is that we learn right away that he's the killer. Yeah. And then Joe Bob Joe Bob sort of went at that. He's like talks about how they pretty much like spoil well, what should yeah. be a twist like right at the beginning. Yeah, so you're spending the whole movie knowing that this is the bad guy and there's no suspense necessarily at all and it really makes it all like where is the motivation or why are what are we learning here what's you know and i think just because of that intro is i thought that's what hurt the movie the most you know um, I, actually, I think that that this is one of those where you know it's a horror movie called the stepfather you know he's a bad guy you know to me I like the fact they put all the cards on the table right at the front. You know, it's like, this is who this is. Now we're just, you know, he's finishing up one. We're going to watch his next story now. And then as it progresses on, you know, possibly to the next story then. I, I actually really like that. You know, this, I, you know, cause, you know, it's one of those things where certain actors, you know he's the bad guy the second you see him. So there's really no suspense to begin with. Yeah, I mean that doesn't that didn't really bother me either. But again, that might be a part two thing where I think maybe they they do it better. But it's like it's like the Sleepaway Camp series. The Sleepaway Camp movie is synonymous with having a with having an amazing you know out of left field twist on who the killer is. But then you mm-hmm. get to part two and they introduce Angela like within the first five seconds of the movie, and you know that's who the killer is. So. Yeah. Yeah, I don't. I don't. That didn't bother me. I don't think. Um, I I really enjoyed the movie. I mean, it's definitely cheesy. One hundred percent cheesy. But I really enjoyed Terry O'Quinn. Yeah. Um. I don't know. I think the only the one thing that bothered me was um, the brother of the last murdered family like searching for him he was awful that oh. guy was just the worst well, f- oh my gosh beyond his performance so the what was his point in the whole movie the exactly. whole last half it's all about the chase to get back there and then he fucking dies instantly yeah that's it exactly. he doesn't come back yeah, to save the day it was so Nothing. dumb he died. his whole storyline in the movie is freaking pointless oh. we, wa- we wasted all that time with him in this movie I know Tina yeah. and I were like really? She was just like, wait, really? I was even still really waiting for that moment of like, my last breath. Yeah. I get the yeah. final shot nope. on the step. No, nope. 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 He's just dead. He's done. Turns He's out done. he just died. 
It was insane. Nuts. I really did like the scene where Terry O'Quinn was, when he finally, like, fucked up and forgot who he was, and he's like, who am I here? That sh- that was great. Yeah. yeah. I was like, oh, shit. Oh, yeah. That's awesome. I liked that bit of dialogue, too. You, 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 I thought the, the mom was really good. She's kind of, she doesn't have a lot to do in the movie, but I thought she was solid. Um, when he started going after her, she was really good. When that moment when he says the wrong child's name there in the kitchen, he's, he, um, you know, the uh, the girl's name in the movie is um, Stephanie, played by, uh, by by Jill, and in that scene, he calls her Jill. Nice. <laughs> so, yeah. 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 It's not the best in the world, but it's not the... And here, here's the thing, too. For being an 80s slasher film that only has, like, one on-screen kill until until the final fight in the third act, um, it kept my attention. Yeah. So, sure. And that's not easy to do, as we discussed <laughs> well, and earlier. I think, like, this one was watchable on its own, but I feel like it would be much more fun riffing on it oh, and yeah. having fun with it. Yeah. Oh yeah, I was trying to think in my brain by myself when he's when he's uh when after he killed the psychologist and he's wrapping him up in those papers, I was trying to think of some kind of deli sandwich joke, but uh <laughs> it just wasn't coming to me, so and there was nobody in the room so it was pointless. <laughs> and not that like I don't know, like, I, I just, the story part, like, I know that he was a little creepy, but, like, I, I just, when movies, when the characters assume a lot, only, we know that he's a bad guy, but Jill is like, what is, what has she really, what has she really experienced that makes her so concerned about him? I mean, really, it feels like she's assuming a lot. I think it is. Benefit. I think it is all assumption at the beginning because I think it's like. I mean, yeah, she's he's still getting over the death of her father because they're married in this movie, and he's you know they're all living together in this house. They're married, and they said at one point in the movie it was like a year ago when her dad died. I'm sorry, a year ago when my dad dies and my mom's already married to another dude. I'm like, I don't. I don't think I would be too kind to this guy either. Yeah, I was. I viewed that as more oh i hate my stepdad and i'm going to assume he's the worst just because he's my stepdad just that stereotype of acting out acting out yeah new marriage junk yeah that's kind of how i took it i guess yeah stepfather yeah stepfather so let's move on to another movie uh, Brian, what do you want to talk about? Uh, I don't know why I'm doing this to myself, because I'm not even sure how to explain this movie properly. <laughs> but uh, let's go for 2011's Father's Day. Woo! Produced, <laughs> written, directed by Astron 6, which is uh, Adam Brooks, Jeremy Gillespie, Matthew Kennedy, Stephen Kostansky, and Connor Sweeney. They're a uh, Canadian filmmaking collective uh trauma distributes their movies in the states um and uh 
In fact, Lloyd Kaufman is even in this one playing the devil and God. <laughs> uh, God, how do, um, okay, so there's, it, it starts out fairly normal and then goes off the rails real fast and just keeps going further and further off them until the end of the movie. It starts um, off normal? Really? I well, thought I remember within the first ten minutes some dude getting ass raped. Yes, and that's normal for this movie. <laughs> that is normal. So there, there was a serial killer called the Fuckman who <laughs> raped and murdered a bunch of people's fathers. And we are introduced to a guy named Ahab who just walks up to a dude and says, Happy Father's Day and blows his head off. And you're kind of like you're starting off on the back foot thinking this guy is the bad guy no it turns out he's our hero because the fuckman comes back and everyone realizes that the only person who could possibly stop this insane serial killer is the vigilante who uh tried to put an end to him and was tricked into killing the wrong person and sent to jail so they go to find him at his it's like a fishing cabin, except instead of fishing, it's maple syrup. <laughs> yeah. Because Canada. Because, <laughs> you know, Canada. <laughs> yeah. And so he, he comes back, finds his sister, and they all try to team up. Uh, his sister, Chelsea, and they, try, they team up and try to stop the fuckman. She gets kidnapped. They find out the fuckman is actually an avatar of some hideous ancient rape demon who will bring about the end of the world using Ahab's seed, if he can. Um, there's some incest. And then everyone shoots themselves to go to hell and fight a giant, slimy turd monster. And Lloyd Kaufman is the devil and God. And then <laughs> after everyone defeats the giant slimy turd monster who looks like something from a Guar concert. Because the way they got to hell was they figured out they had to kill themselves because suicides go to hell. So once they're there, they beat the demon, they figure the best way to get back is maybe if they shoot themselves again in hell, and the final shot, they all shoot themselves and then it just cuts back to their rotting corpses with the sound of flies buzzing around at the end. I love the ending of this, this movie. This movie is a fucking roller coaster ride of insanity and I loved every second of it. Yeah, I'm going to have to say I do too. I really love this movie and I have avoided this movie for the longest time because... Like ninety percent of trauma acquisitions are are crap. Yeah, and they rely so much on going over the top to shock and offend more than just trying to tell a story. Which this totally does too, but they pull it off because they but, do it cleverly and and it's yeah. funny. Yeah, it's funny, and not all the jokes are dick and fart jokes. Well, one of my favorite of jokes them. is is when what's that? Most of them. <laughs> oh, one of my favorite jokes is when when um, they're talking about the maple syrup and and he's tapping the thing into the tree, the tap into the tree, and the guy's like, "That's not a maple tree," and he's like, 
It's like, what have I been, what have I been eating then, or whatever. <laughs> I, I laughed out loud at that joke, and there wasn't a boob in sight, no penis, nothing. That was, it, that was a real joke, you know. And I, uh, and there was a lot of that in this movie. Yeah, there's definitely a lot of shock and offend in this movie, but I think it's in service of the story instead of like in replace of the story. And that's where, that's where I get, I get. You know, I can't, I can't do some of these movies anymore, man. Like, you know, yeah. like Dear God No, or... Oh, or see, I, I like Dear God No, and the sequel, Frankenstein Created Bikers, is a lot better. Yeah, maybe I need to watch Dear God No again. I don't even think and I finished watching it. I can't wait for their it. new movie, Amazon Hotbox. I've got that one on pre-order, too. <laughs> but, you know, or the garbage that Beelzebub does. Um, oh, yeah, that's... That's hard to sit there. <laughs> yeah, because that, that the whole point of it is, is like you know, let's not bother to try to make something coherent, something decent. Let's just throw every everything obscene on the screen that we can that we can think of, and and that's our claim to quote unquote fame. So, but this movie has that kind of content, but it's still it's shot awesome. I love the look and feel of this movie. Um, uh, I think the performances are great. Um, you know, I mean, some of those guys have to have some comic comedic chops to pull off some of the timing of some of those jokes. And, uh, you know, the guy who played Ahab, you know, I thought he was yeah, awesome. he was really good, mm -hmm. yeah. And, oh, and I even liked the, the priest guy, uh, his little sidekick there or whatever. Um, so, so oh, I yeah. I thought you were talking about the old priest. Oh, he was who, cool, too. Who was keeping the, the, the ancient tome of the fuck. Manicus demon. See, and I, I thought I, I assumed his little whited out eyes, just kind of his whole look. He was supposed to kind of look like um, John Carradine from the Sentinel, yeah. Which I thought was kind of a nice little nod. I don't know for sure, but I mean, well, that's that's the impression I got. I mean, who because who has who has white eyes like that, right? Other right. than in the Sentinel, and God knows what the poor guy had to actually stick to his eyes to achieve that look. Yeah, because those were definitely. Not digital. They were. He was wearing some contact lenses, but they did not look like expensive, really good movie quality contact. No, lenses. they almost they almost looked like smoothed out eggshells. Like, yeah. <laughs> and what scares me is I I kind of wonder if that's what they did. But anyway, and, um, but like I've heard all the legends of this movie, and it just made me stay away. Like you know, all the ass raping and 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 you know, penis penis mutilation and and. Um, and the fact that one of the uh, main characters in this movie is called the Fuckman, I'm like, yeah, this just sounds more horrible trauma acquisition trash. But it wasn't that. It was a great movie in spite of all those things. And this had been on my list to see for a while. I just hadn't got around to it. And this was more of a, like, oh, we're doing dad movies. It's I, can, I finally have an excuse. Because I've seen some of Astron 6's other stuff. And, I mean, if you like this one, you'll like their other stuff, too. They have one called oh, Manborg. Did that is really quite funny. It's, oh, it's short, though, I think. Yeah, I think I it's only like that. 45 minutes long, but but there's some... The, the humor is very much the same, except in yeah. a sci-fi setting rather than a horror setting, but... And Man... I mean, they make their movies for legendarily little money. Like, I think Manborg was less than $10,000, if I remember correctly. Yeah. And I would imagine this was, you know, not a lot more, but... Well, and there's the editor. I love that movie. Yeah. I haven't seen that one yet. I need to sit down and watch that. Yeah, I was going to say that's what—that's the one that I'd seen and made me kind of 
excited to watch more of their stuff. Well, with that said, then Terry, what'd you think? <laughs> um, <laughs> it's no, it was a heck of a lot of fun. Oh, honestly, good. I good. mean, it was. I mean, it wasn't real. They didn't take anything so seriously that it made it weird. But I mean, it was weird. I don't know what I'm saying. Um, no, I mean, you do have a point. Like that's <laughs> the thing too. Some of these, like some of these movies that are in this vein. You know, take those elements seriously, but this one is definitely... It's almost like it's a satire of those other type of movies. Exactly, exactly. It was just... They had a lot of fun with it. Yeah. And it made me have fun watching them. Absolutely. That's a big thing. If you watch a a super low-budget movie and they're they're, trying real hard to be gross or whatever, if 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 they had fun making it, that really shines through and makes the experience a lot more fun for the viewer. And yeah, yeah, I, I'm with you 100. percent They clearly had an absolute blast making this movie. <laughs> some there's a sequence in in the lair of the fuckman where he's got some victims captured, and there's a, a genital mutilation thing going on. That really, I don't know if any of you are uh, familiar with the band Cattle Decapitation, but they have a music <laughs> video that that scene really reminded me of. <laughs> I know the band. Okay, never mind not, I know the band, but not the video. Two so. episodes in a row talking about genital mutilations, uh, genital mutilations. Uh, we're just gonna have yeah, to finally break wasn't down. Definitely was a gentle mutilation. Yeah, we have to finally break down and do that. You know, penis torture episode. Blood, <laughs> blood and semen. Yeah, yeah, the blood and semen episode. So, Mike, what'd you think of uh, Father's Day? Um. <clears throat> Actually, to be truthful, I only got about 20 minutes into it. I only got to watch about 20 minutes of it before we started doing the podcast. I just okay, Fair did, just didn't ha- I just didn't have the chance to this weekend to watch. Sure. But what I saw of it was, um, I- I'm watching this, and for some reason, I-, I keep thinking, it's like, is this the same guys that did Frankenstein created bikers? I mean, what the hell? You know, it's like, that's kind of what it felt like to me. Yeah. And, you know, it, it was just kind of so over the top over the you know just over the top and everything and but then it's also really wild because i'm watching this and then i also remind remember this like this is the same guy you know a couple of these are the same guys that did uh the void which is like yep. oh yeah that's yeah, they i mean they really up their game you know so yeah i mean i could definitely tell they're definitely having some fun here and I'll, I'll probably have to finish watching this movie just because it is really batshit crazy. <laughs> yeah. If you only got 20 minutes in, you haven't even got to the crazy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's why, that's why I said it's like, uh, that's why I was thinking is like, uh, when you said you're like, it starts off normal, I'm like, holy shit. <laughs> <laughs> what about you, Ted? I I don't know. I was sort of split on this, um, but I I didn't love it, but I definitely appreciate what they've done because this is what independent film is all about. <laughs> you know, uh, this is not a film that a major studio would ever come near, and that's what I, you know, that's that's what we're that's what this podcast is about. You know, is like shit that people, you know dig in the corners of the internet to find and this movie is definitely in that spirit they made their own thing 
they made it theirs, and uh, there's nothing else like it. I think... I don't know, have you seen, um, like, the FP and uh, any of those movies? I think it's... Is it Jason Trost that does those movies? Does anybody know what I'm talking about? Nope. No. no. We're not I on that corner of the internet. Well, he's, he's sort of a weird indie filmmaker that always wears an eye patch. Eye patch that's sort of his... <laughs> signature thing uh i'm trying to think he's done the fp and how to save us all see all superheroes must die um reminded me a lot of his stuff that's where i'm going with this he just sort Mm -hmm. of it's like a do-it-yourself type thing uh you know and i don't know i just uh and his his signature move is choosing to not have depth perception right (laughs) <laughs> well, I think he actually has something. I think he actually has something wrong with his eye, but it's like. Oh, okay. Well, the way you said that was kind of his <laughs> he thing. Chose I thought to... you meant it was like an affected choice that he was like, I can see just fine, but I'm going to wear this because it looks cool and people will remember me, kind of thing. It, it is sort of that way because I mean he he's in. I won't go too far off of this, but he's in like a ton of bigger movies. Um, his I think his brother is Brandon Trost, who's a cinematographer who's done a ton of like horror stuff he works with uh seth rogan and those guys so he ends up in all of like rogan's movies in the background and he's the, he's like the guy that wears the eye patch um <laughs> but he also directs writes and directs his own very very low budget movies that are really cool and uh anyways it when i first started watching it i'm like this seems like one of jason Trost's movies just that you know it embodies the independent spirit in the way that they just completely are off the rails and just did clearly did what they they had a blast making it. They did what they wanted to do, and uh, even if I I don't love it, I I just do appreciate it. So it's interesting you're talking about him digging in the corners and the internet stuff because this is streaming on Prime. If you have it, you can watch it there for free and something i wondered about is you guys i john used to talk about all the time and i've mentioned a few times uh bandit motion pictures company who did uh, space babes from outer space found plank face harvest lake oh yeah um fantastic filmmakers and their stuff like maybe six <coughs> months ago got removed from prime like amazon flagged them and said your stuff cannot be on here anymore like it's still on there to pay for rent but if you have Prime, you can't stream it. And it was they got dinged for content. Now, other than Space Babes from Outer Space, their movies aren't funny. But, the, I mean, they're weird and fucked up and, and gross. But again, Nothing all in service like, to the story, they are not at all about, about just doing it for shock value. They're very good storytellers. But, the, I mean, the stuff in Father's Day is a hundred times more disgusting and fucked up than anything in any of their movies, except maybe for Found. But huh. so yeah, is is it the is it the comedy factor? Is that what makes it okay? Like, because if this Maybe. was a, if this was if everything else about this movie was the same, you know, if it was as well made, well acted, the story was good, but it just wasn't funny. If it was just a straight up, we're just going to be dark and fucked up with our story. Like, I don't know how. I would not could, watch it if it was not funny. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think that does have a lot to do with it. 
Yeah, I, would, I, but I'm an I really person, have. So. I was saying, I have. I really don't have an answer for you, but I guess that would be it. Sort of like in a movie, you you can get away with um, more blood if it's almost too much blood because it's almost comical. You know yeah, what I mean? If, if yeah. you wink, yeah. if you wink at the camera, it disarms the content kind of. Right. Thing. Yeah. So I'd guess maybe that's it, or they just haven't. Haven't got around to banning this one yet. <laughs> right. Because there's, I don't know, man, Amazon Prime, like a lot of, you know, Netflix has a a reputation for being like the streaming place. But if you dig deep, there is, there's a lot oh, yeah. of a lot great of stuff, stuff on Amazon Prime and mm-hmm. a lot of real trash yeah. and shit on there I, I too. I found man. out very quickly that Prime just blows every other, unless you're going for something that specifically caters to exploitation like Midnight Pulp. Prime blows everything else out of the water for weird shit. Yeah, it goes deep. Jason, have you weighed in yet? No, I, 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 this movie wasn't for me. <laughs> <laughs> my first, my first note is, you sound, you sound, you sound oh scarred. boy, oh, oh boy. boy. <laughs> yeah, it's not for me. I don't, I don't enjoy the. That kind of over-the-top exploitation stuff. I I thought, like, if you once you strip away all the the gross to be gross stuff, I thought a lot a lot of the comedy was fucking hilarious. Mm-hmm. And then once I learned that, like, I then I, while I was watching it, I was looking up and saw that most of those five or six guys are in the movie and learned which ones were which I don't know that helped me too uh, like it knowing that they were actually acting in it and then the thing that I enjoyed the most was the lead guy with the beard and eye patch I just pretended that was Dustin Neal <laughs> and uh, and it made it so much better because he he acts very similar to him when he acts in movies in a comedy yeah. role. So I just pretended it was Dustin, and that helped me get through it. <laughs> but that's amazing. Yeah, not not not. For, I mean, I totally agree with Ted and y'all about the uh, indie spirit stuff. I totally can tell that. They were having fun making it, and I'm all for that. Um, just didn't like it. Okay. Yep. So there you have it. Father's Day. That's Father's Day. So, Mike, what should be the next one we talk about? Um, I'm going to go with Night of the Hunter. Sweet. <clears throat> um. Wow. This was this was <laughs> something else. And you know the story, the story, and everything like that. I was like, that was, that was fine and all, but man, the cinematography on this movie, holy shit, it's is cool. so, quite possibly some of the most beautiful cinematography I'd ever seen. You know, especially like in an old black and white movie and everything. Oh my god, yeah. it was crazy. Yeah, it's pretty gorgeous. Um, I mean, as I mean, that's I, I love the movie just for that. You know. And then, you know, of course, you know, you got Robert Mitchum, who is just awesome. He's uh, the Reverend, or oh, was it Reverend Harry Powell 
And basically, he... You don't really... You know, he poses as his preacher, but yeah, he talks to God all the time. So you really don't know what the hell he is. Yeah. And basically, what he does, he just finds widows, gets their money, and kills them. Basically, he's kind of... Kind of, kind of like doing the stepfather thing, only uh, just for the money part. <laughs> you know, and then he he, he finds he finds this uh, he winds up in jail with this guy who had just recently stolen uh, ten thousand uh, dollars. Told his kids where the money is. You know, hid hid the money. Told the kids where the money is, and then he was subsequently hung <clears throat> for all you know, the murders of these people when he stole the money. Well, and then he had you know the. Uh, Preacher, who would say, you know, he had uh, shared the cell with, goes to find the family because he, you know, obviously he wants to get ten thousand dollars. But you know, and you know, the the, and I don't know what it is about grieving widows and marrying within a year. (laughs) (laughs) I'm I'm noticing a theme here on that. It's like, okay, seriously, that's never a good idea. But uh, you know, and then of course, you know, the kids are onto him. Well, at least the son is onto him just immediately. He just knows this guy's just not right. But everything they had with, again, with the cinematography, the shots, the use of shadows and everything, the, you know, after, you know, he, you know, spoiler, you know, after, you know, he does kill the mother, which is like, wow, that happened way earlier than I ever would have expected it to or yeah. even expected it to. And the scene where she's like tight, you know, you see her dead body tied up to the car underwater. Oh my yeah. God. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That shot was awesome. Very oh, awesome. you know, and just, just the, the other angles, like, you know, when the kid comes in, they got like this down angle, like through the stairway. Um, when they first see him, they basically just see his, the shadow of him and his hat, you know, you know, through flash of the lightning and the, uh, 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 the, uh, uh, bedroom, you know, at night. Um, even like towards the end, you know, where they're, where the kids find refuge with that, uh, with the woman and the other kids, and she's staying up all night, you know, holding that shotgun. She's sitting in there in her uh, living room, and they got this awesome shot of her sitting in this living room, and he's outside. Yeah. And you know, and then uh, the one daughter, the one girl comes in with the candle, basically kind of like blinds his image out and she walks away and he's gone I was like holy shit wow mm-hmm. I mean the the biggest bummer about this movie is that I think this is like the director's only movie that he ever directed because I would yeah. love to see what else he's done because holy dang that was awesome yeah Charles Lawton was the director and he's more famously known as an actor and yeah this was the only film he directed um, it was it was uh, it wasn't a um, financial success when it first came out, and the critics panned it. And so there's there's been rumor that that's why Charles never directed another movie again. But he's been cited to say that he would much rather direct stage, so he kind of went back to to stage. You can see that in there, yeah. Oh yeah. Oh see yeah. That. Yeah, the shot construction in this movie just is, is awesome, especially for 1955. There's a lot of great imagery going on in this movie. The way a lot of the shots are set up. Yeah, I love this movie. Um, I never got a, ever. This is my first chance ever getting to see it, and I've been wanting to see it for for decades now. Just never got around to it. Um, my first experience with this movie was from the compilation movie called Terror in the Isles, 
And that was a that was a movie I saw a long time ago, back in my early days of of watching horror movies and starting to get into them. And so, Terror in the Isles was an introduction to a lot of movies because it's a it's a it's a compilation of scenes from different movies. And the way they put that that compilation together is done in such a great way that for the longest time I was convinced that all the movies that were featured in Terror of the Isles were the greatest and scariest movies ever made. So um, so it's been a checklist since then of, of seeing all these movies and you know and not all of them like Nighthawk for example with uh, Sylvester Stallone lives up to the way they portrayed the, those scenes in Terror in the Isles but this one this one I think um, goes beyond my expectations for what uh, what I thought of it when I watched Terror in the Isles. Um, I also find it interesting too that three out of the four movies chosen for this episode um, contains a lot of religion in them. Thought that was kind of weird. Uh, but one of the big things that stood out to me in this movie is for a movie from the 1950s. I found it really interesting that there was a, there was this theme about women's sexuality in the film. Yeah. And, and very overtly too, like when that horribly obnoxious old woman is talking to the, her friends at the picnic about yeah. a good woman doesn't want that anyway, not really Ugh. want it. Whenever my husband, you know, I, I just lay there and think Arf. about my canning. Yep. <laughs> like, oh my god! <laughs> I wrote down that line too. Yeah. Iowa Governor Kim Reynolds, ladies and gentlemen. Woo! <laughs> and the mom, you know, there's that scene where she, you know, she's now married to. Uh, Robert Mitchum's character, and she wants to have sex with her new husband, and he rejects her, and basically just kind of like treats her like a small child in that scene. Like, look at yourself in the mirror. Look at yourself in the mirror. You know? Basically, just calls her a skank. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Pretty and much. And she's so embarrassed and buries her face in the pillow. I felt so bad for her at that point. Yep. And then there's the the creepy, flirtatious, like preteen girl Ruby. That yeah. That that's that was disturbing as all hell, you know. Like who is super, like just completely boy crazy. Like he's obviously yeah. a psychopath, but she's clearly just like any man who will even look at her. She's just all about him. I think she even says that line, or maybe it's the the old lady that's taking care of these kids has that line about how. Yeah, yeah she, you know that uh, she's just looking for someone to love her or whatever. Yeah. Oh yeah, but but the the best thing about that like mrs cooper is she's not putting her down for that like she she represents kind of the balance of that thing where she's very clearly religious because she's telling the kids the story of moses and you know yep. she's always talking about bible verses and stuff but she's not shitting on ruby for being that way and she's you know even at one point says you're going to grow up to be a good strong woman like she can see the promise in her she knows like you're young. This is what people do when they're young, and it's okay because you know it's deep inside you're a good person, and that no, not deep inside, but like yeah. you know what I mean. That, that oh, yeah. this is not all that there is to you. What was the name of that character's char- that character's name again? The the Which, woman, the old, yeah, old, the old lady. Woman, take, yeah, Mrs. Cooper. Maybe Mrs. Cooper would be who your mom is. <laughs> you know, because yeah. like you know what that would actually that's the pretty solid uh damn i didn't even think about that yeah. <laughs> yeah. i guess because she wasn't technically and... any of their moms but 
No, but uh, yeah, she loved. You know, she obviously cared about them like they were her own children. But she was stern with them. Yep. And then just hanging out there with a shotgun, ready to blow Robert Mitchum's face off at a Sounds drop like of a hat. Yep. Like she yeah. wasn't. She was no nonsense. She was not a victim ever. I could totally see my mom doing that. Yeah. <laughs> and go listen to the Patreon episode if uh, if you're a Patreon subscriber to find out what the rest of that is all about. Now, thinking <laughs> about blowing Robert Mitchum's face off, I want to bring up. Not. I, I really <laughs> like this movie. But I want to bring up two things that I, they didn't take me out of the movie, but it's just one of those, oh, here's where it shows its age thing. Yeah. The first one being when he is, when the kids are hiding from him in the cellar and he goes down there and then uh, that god awful old woman who looks like Aunt B from the Andy Griffith show shows <laughs> up to bring him supper. Yeah. She leaves, and he chases them up the stairs. Now, to get them all in the same shot, he is very, very close to them. So you can see him chasing them and them running away. Mm -hmm. But since, obviously, a full-grown man is going to be able to outrun two under-10-year-old children who are three feet in front of him, he does this fucking ridiculous, like, arms outstretched, running-in-place motion like he's fucking Frankenstein in a Scooby-Doo cartoon. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I about lost it. And then yeah. uh, at the end of the movie when he finally breaks into the Cooper place and her her spring-loaded cat who has not been established in the movie at all up to this point but suddenly there's a fucking cat jumps up and scares him which makes him give away his position so she fires at him and when he yells and runs out into the courtyard, it sounds exactly like Mel Blanc doing Yosemite Sam getting shot in the ass. <laughs> oh my God, you're right. I thought that. Yeah, I, I thought the uh, yelp from him was was a little weird, but yeah, uh, a little goofy and, and an otherwise very serious movie. But then I will bring it back around by saying a nice thing that you were talking about the cinematography and, and there are so many great shots. The um, the scene where the kids have, have fled and they're hiding in the hayloft of a barn and it's sunrise and John looks out the, the window of the barn and sees him silhouetted on horseback with that big white hat riding in front of the sunrise singing that damn hymn that he's always singing. Mm, yeah. And he goes, doesn't he ever sleep? Mm, yeah. Like that, that was chilling that he, like he is such a, a, you know, at that point, he's not human. He's the shark from Jaws. What it really reminded me of is the Hitcher. Oh, yeah. Yeah, nice. Just relentlessly on their heels, no matter what they do or where they go. Yes. Is this the first time we've ever seen that, like, love-hate tattoos on the fingers? It's kind of an iconic thing from this movie, and I kind of wonder if this is, like, the first time that's ever been done. Yeah, I don't know. If, if every other time you see it, it's like a, a reference to this kind of thing, maybe. Yeah, yeah. Like back or just hipsters doing it, not realizing that it's a reference to this movie. Well, <laughs> well, well Sorry, when, I, when nice. I said when, when I meant, uh, do you see it in other movies or like you know, well, see it right. in cartoons and stuff a lot? Yeah, hipsters just they don't know what the fuck they're doing. Forget hipsters. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I mean, there's. You know, Eddie has those on his fingers in Rocky Horror Picture Show, and 
I kind of wonder now if if that is an intentional nod to Night considering of the that movie is basically a feature length reference. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> True. Exactly. Did uh, did Max have that on? Max Katie had that on in uh, Cape Fear. Did he have the love hate? Oh, I don't remember. It's a good call though. Because I, I could totally see that being a totally reference to this. Yeah. And uh, Captain Spaulding. Yeah, yeah. Like, on, his, on his knuckles, but oh, you know, I can Rob definitely Zombie. see Rob Zombie doing yeah. this. Yeah, I mean, Rob Zombie loves this movie, so. But you don't. You're not saying that you think this was the first time. This was the first tattoo ever done with love and hate. No, on a person. First, no, first time just it's like, like first time in film pop culture. I I know it's I know people have done it, but like I know it gets done in movies a lot too, especially with like a bad guy type character like this. So. I just kind of wonder if this was the first first one, and if all the others that followed was because of this movie. But so, Jason, what'd you think of Night oh, of the Hunter? I loved it. I thought it was great. I yeah. agree. The cinematography was awesome. I particularly remember the and loved the scenes of the kids in the boat, just cruising yeah. down the river with seeing. all the different animals in the foreground. Yep, <laughs> bunnies, gorgeous. and frogs, and whatnot. Yep. Yeah, I liked it a lot. I mean, I I felt like I groaned a lot just for like a lot of the anti-women stuff that went on through it, just because of its age, I guess. But other than that, I mean, because I of what we think, talked about before, I don't with, think the movie actually had an anti-woman sentiment. I think you know, talking about its age, it's also set during the Great Depression, so it's supposed to be taking place forty years before it was filmed. Oh yeah. There's that. But you're talking about like what we talked about before with like the themes of women's sexuality? No, I just I thought there were moments that were just like n- n- just I I don't know how to say it old-timey putting women down because they're not equal feelings. Oh yeah, there's tons of that. There's tons of that but, which I groaned I mean, a lot at, which is But you can't cool. really help that though. Right, no, I yeah, know. Yeah, I think that's just a 50s thing. I know. Yeah. It's still I still groan. Which is which is why it it shocked me so much about like all the all these women talking about sex in this movie because like it's as if they finally they finally have a voice in this movie even though we're still in 50s mentality where you know, women are a lesser class. I thought the... Oh. Well, I, I was just going to say, I, I think that, like, this, the stuff about the women's sexuality, I think, I don't know, I've never read the original novel, so I don't know if that exists there, too, or if that was a product of, uh, of the James Agnes script. Ag... Agni... Agi? Agi? Whatever is how to pronounce Bless his you. last name. The, yeah, thank you. And I don't know... A, ton about Charles Lawton, but I know enough to think he wasn't probably a like woman-hating old fuddy-duddy kind of guy. Like I get the feeling he would have been a little more progressive. Yeah. So I, I think that the the while it's barely even subtext, it's practically just text of the women's sexuality stuff was intentional and the the more casual you know sexism stuff was more just period piece set dressing like you would have an old car in a 50s move set movie now yeah like i see you know this this was set in the early 1920s so that i mean it, it 
it would have been less realistic to not have that. Yeah, exactly. You know, and then the, the strongest character, though, in the entire movie, though, is Miss Cooper. Yeah, she's a That's badass. very true, yeah. <laughs> she's she, awesome. She, she sees through his shit just immediately. And, yeah, she doesn't take anything. And that's just, oh, my God, that's just so awesome to see that. She talks to him for, what, like 30 seconds before she grabs the shotgun? Yeah. Like, he basically shows up and asks to see the kids and then starts telling her the bullshit story of his tattoos. And she doesn't even let him finish the sentence. And she's like, Ruby, go get my shotgun. Get the fuck off my property. Yeah, I love how she just wasn't going to hear it. The the love-hate story. The love-hate story that has swooned everyone else in this movie. And, and... Um, Miss Cooper ain't gonna have anything to do with it. She don't care. It's like blah blah blah, whatever. She was awesome. She's probably my favorite character in the movie. I also really liked the kids a lot. I thought their acting was awesome. I every time the little girl spoke, I was just like, "Yay, you go, you tiny tiny little person talking grown up." It was so cool. I thought they were awesome. Um, I, if, I'd have to say if I did have anything negative to say about the movie is I personally feel that structurally it's a little weird because it's like Mike, you said earlier, the wife gets killed way early in the movie or mm-hmm. the mom gets killed way early in the movie. But there's that, that scene in the basement where, you know, he realizes where the money's at and he goes after the kids and there's that whole confrontation in the basement. That felt like a third act climax. Oh, yeah. Where when we get to the actual climax of the movie, it didn't feel as eventful. But I think also, too, like, they've had all this buildup of great suspense of him sitting outside at night and the whole candle thing where, you know, now he's gone and then he's in the house and... But then it's like, shot, boom, he runs away, and then it's the court thing in the next scene. It just didn't felt as um, climactic as uh, as the basement scene for me. So, you so know, I and just, that was I thought that was like the weirdest. The weirdest couple scenes were right there at the end, the courtroom scene. Because at, at first, I'm I'm thinking they're kind of leading up to where the kid doesn't want to give him up now. Because it almost started to feel like that. Because you know he's having when he saw him get arrested, he's reminded of his father getting arrested. Yeah, you know, and that was kind of weird. It's like it's like shit. He doesn't want to give him up right now. And then that really weird mob at the end, you know, where everybody's like breaking furniture and it was like they're gonna go lynch him or something like that. I was like, what? I, I was like, what the hell's going on? You know? Mm-hmm. I mean, I love I, I love the fact though that. Miss Cooper, she's like keeping all the kids together. Stay away from the shit. Let's just go get out of here. But that, I don't know that that the mob that mob lynch mob thing. That was that was kind of weird. It just yeah, it felt like it, it felt like it, it's the end of the movie. Uh, let's hurry up and finish this thing up and go home. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Terry, what'd you think of the movie? You haven't had much of a chance to speak up yet. I really enjoyed it. Um... Yeah, my only real complaints were, well, really just the the running scenes between um, the, what's his face? What is the guy's name? The preacher guy? The Religious character thing? or the actor? The character. The character, I have it written down, but of course I'm not going to see it, so I'm just going to keep talking. <laughs> okay, Reverend, well, Reverend Morgan, isn't it? Harry, Harry Powell. 
Harry Powell, oh, yes. Where's where I thinking oh, okay. Morgan? Wow. The fuck did I get that? <laughs> well, just, yeah, this the scenes, there was one, like, on the stairs where it was very obviously, like, okay, there's no way this is realistic that he can't get those kids right now. And then there was also another one in, like, a swamp when they're getting into a boat, and he's, like, struggling to get to them. I'm like, come on. They took like 20 minutes to put that little girl inside that boat it took so (laughs) long it was driving me bonkers but uh i actually that that yelp that he does when she gets the shotgun i didn't take it as be i mean it was weird like it was an odd choice but i thought it it came off as more maniacal Mm. and not looney toony i guess when i was watching it okay like he's like, haha, you can't catch me because I'm awesome and evil. I don't know. I liked it for some reason when I watched it. Okay. Cool, cool. Uh, Tad, your thoughts on this movie? Oh, I don't really have a whole lot more to add to it that I, I or anybody else didn't already say. It was. I, I really enjoyed this sort of era of film, and for this, this is like. Like Mike Reed was saying, the the shots, the cinematography on this is what makes this movie for me, and uh, it's. I mean, you can see the influence on so many other films. You know, it's just sort of even. I mean, there's there's only certain number when you see sort of a an old black and white film that has some of these gorgeous shots. There's only a handful of them that you know you really think of. Uh, Carnival of Souls always has has a few shots like that, and it just I don't know. It just takes me sort of back to when I was first getting into horror and sort of trying to find you know old black and white classics and stuff. And I, this this was really cool. It was the first time I've seen it, so um, I really enjoyed it. Definitely going to make me think about uh, the next Criterion half price sale. Getting that one on the Ooh, list. Ooh, yeah, yeah. When that happens, let me know, because I want this one, too. Uh, You guys live together. (laughs) What? (laughs) He's never... Oh. (laughs) I slave all day over the stove. Oh, shut up. But you can can still watch the story. I was going to say, you have to ask permission before you touch the movie shelf. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, no. Oh, that's what you meant? No, we have to have our own copies. Absolutely. Yeah. (laughs) He would be fine with sharing. I'm not. Right. Oh, that sounds okay. right. Anyway, now, the the two mics that you are probably my only hope to get this, but in in the shot of the mom underwater, and by the way, I absolutely loved Uncle Birdie. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh, oh yeah, I forgot oh, about yeah. him. Yeah. Poor did either of you have a thought of like, oh, Shelley Winters is going down to face the octopus from Tentacles a few <laughs> years early? <laughs> Yeah, she does wind up in water a lot. Between that and also Poseidon Adventure. Oh, and yeah. I forgot she was in the original yeah. one of those. Damn. She's been typecast. <laughs> awesome. Uh, last thing I want to say about this movie that I love. I love this movie because of the opening song that the kids are singing in the beginning. I love that song because uh, Mike Patton's band Phantom Moss covered it on their album yeah. Director's Cut. So as soon as I heard that tune, I'm like... That's Phantomas. So. And that is all we have to say about Night of the Hunter. So. 
Uh, Tad, why don't you t- uh, t- tell us about our last film? I already introduced one. Make someone else do it. Oh, who who did I not call on yet? I don't know. Tad. <laughs> uh, Terry, did I did you talk? Go. No, you? but you'll have to remind me what our last one is. The Royalty. best one. Oh, okay, thanks. <laughs> did you just say the best one? Oh boy. What? <laughs> the last one. And you the know, best I could have one. And the best one. That we um, had just talked about this, but I think I may have just watched it on my own for some reason not that long ago. But anyway. Um, I, I did when he passed away, so. Maybe that's why I yeah. did it. What? Eh. I'm just kidding. Bill Paxton. Just kidding. What? Oh. I thought you didn't know there for a second, and I was like, oh, God. We gotta break this news on the show. <laughs> There's no um, Easter Bunny, too, Jason. Sorry. What? <laughs> um, okay, frailty. Um, so you got Matthew McConaughey. All right, all right. Shows all right. up. <laughs> yes, that. Shows <laughs> up. Shows up at the FBI to talk to Agent Powers Booth. Um, yeah, Powers Booth. <laughs> He's so great at this. Um, but anyway, to tell him that he knows who this um, prolific God's hand murderer is, and he's there to tell him. And then he starts telling him about his whole past, about how his father um, allegedly had God speak to him, and he showed him visions of demons. And so they started murdering alleged demons. Um, with um, him and his brother with their dad. Um, and that's the general gist of it without getting to the ending. I don't, do you want me to go do the whole thing? <laughs> uh, no, that's fine. Yeah. I mean, we'll probably get into it. I mean, anyway, we'll spoil it but, eventually, but that's yeah. the gist. Well, and too, so like, yeah, there's, there's the two boys and Bill Paxton, you know, mm-hmm. I, I forget already where, what happened to the mom? Like, died a year earlier or something? I don't remember. Yeah, but, she was out yeah. of the picture. Yeah. But, uh, like, um, yeah, a year after a spouse leaves, some shit goes down. That's all. Huh. What's going on? Um, <laughs> but the older, the older boy who is, who's basically our narrator for the movie, sort of, um, Fenton Meeks. Yeah. A weird fucking name. Like, <laughs> He no is not, offense, kid. <laughs> he's not believing in this shit at all. Like he just thinks his dad's a murderer, and but the younger, you know, the younger brother, who's you know young and impressionable still and whatnot, and and he fully believes. So that makes for some very interesting things uh, throughout this movie. So so yeah. So, what'd you think of this movie, Terry? Um, it's good. Uh, I guess I got a little tired of all of the religious imagery stuff. Um, I mean, it has a good twist. A twist. Um, I mostly, I mean, Powers Booth is my probably my favorite character. I mean, Bill Paxton's great, too, but I... I always thought he was a little, I think he's a little cheesy in this movie, to be honest. What? Yeah, I know he directed it too, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. 
Um, I mean, I liked him, but I don't know. I um, I got to give kudos to Power Booth's parents for naming him Powers Booth because there is no other man on the face of the planet whose name matches the way they look so strongly <laughs> as Powers Booth. <laughs> I also wish he would have at some point called Matthew McConaughey a cocksucker. <laughs> well, don't we all want to call Matthew McConaughey? Be- well, because Powers... I don't, have you ever watched Ted Wood? Ted Wood. Oh, yeah. Powers yeah. is in that, and I fucking love that show. Me too. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's good. I think... I don't know. I guess I just... The ending, I think, is what really bothers me, like... I like the twist with him. Okay, spoiler alert. Um, it's really not Matthew McConaughey isn't Fenton. He's Adam, the younger brother. And he takes Powers Booth to murder him because he's a demon. Um, like, that part was fine. It's the part, like, the end end where they basically validate all of that. Is, that's the part I don't like. Like, I kind of wish they would have left it where it's just... It's a family of schizophrenics who are seeing things and murdering people because they don't know any better. Like, I like that angle better than... Oh, so you don't like the... Okay, I see what you're saying. Like, you they're don't, actually... You don't like the fact that they are actual, you know, God's killers. God, yeah. whatever. Yeah. Okay. I wish that it wouldn't have turned that, that last little bit is what bothered me. I don't know. I I know it goes into the supernatural at that moment for sure, but it it didn't bother me on this viewing because I caught so much, so a lot of cool things throughout the film that tied together because of that. Like if you watch throughout the all the Matthew McConaughey and um, Powers Booth scenes, like he never touches Powers Booth. There's that one FBI agent that comes in the room and he shakes his hand. And he's like, you know, you're you're a good man. And then like, but even that scene when he's when he goes to put the handcuffs on, he puts them on himself. He puts himself in the car. There's even a, a part where Powers Booth motions to him to duck his head in. Like but Matthew McConaughey's just like, I got it. It's all right. <laughs> so um, he just puts himself <laughs> in the car. Um, <laughs> Until that, until that moment there at the end, and you know, and the whole just continually bringing up his mother throughout the throughout the movie and stuff. So, you know, all that I thought set up for that just beautifully. So that's why mm-hmm. I liked it. So, well, but I still feel like because I because like I, I think I might agree with you after the first time I saw it because I think because my memory of it was like it was ambiguous. But watching it again, I'm like, oh yeah, no, it wasn't. <laughs> they straight up tell you that he actually is the the hand of God, um, you know, and like, uh, and I think maybe because the, if, if I remember right, you know, I love the movie when I first watched it, but I think I also remember like, yeah, I kind of wish they didn't do that because it, it would just be so much cooler if it was just left to your own devices, you know. Well, but. see, and now now you've made me notice another hole in the movie. Um, because he's asking about his mother, like they're implying that he knows that he murdered her, but because he's on the and list. every other, 
But in every other instance, they had no idea why they're on the list until they touched them. So how does he know that he killed the mother? God probably told him. I mean, I, I don't know. It's like by the but time they didn't do that any other time. By that the time Bill sense. Paxton, by the time Bill Paxton is killed, he's not. You know, who knows how long Matthew Adams been doing this? He's probably a way better God killer or God's God's killer than Bill Paxton than his dad was because his dad only got like two or three deep by the time his uh, son killed him. So, and the fact that he wouldn't listen to God when, when God told him that his son was a demon. So, mm-hmm. I just think maybe um, Adam was, a, was a better God killer, than, or God's killer than... Um, if you say so, I think that's just a hole. Oh, man. <laughs> Which I didn't even notice until you started talking about it, so thanks. <laughs> You're welcome for nothing? Because it's not a hole! <laughs> it just it doesn't it doesn't lie it's not there's not good continuity as far as that story goes i don't know whatever i just can't believe okay i just can't believe all the detail to all this other stuff and and that is the whole so i don't buy it <laughs> but what else who else has got things to say about this movie I uh, I have some sort of good memories about this because my brother actually introduced it to me many, many years ago. I think probably around the time it was first released on DVD. So I have a little bit of a like personal connection to it. But I did revisit it when we lost Bill Paxton. And it was actually, I think, a little creepier the second time I watched it just because I uh, I saw more in it. I understood it a little bit more. But, uh, yeah, I watched it with, some, with uh, my wife and a friend who hadn't seen it before, and they, they really enjoyed it, too. It still holds up, and it's pretty cool. It's like, uh, you know, Bill Paxton directed it, too, and, I, you know, it shows that he wasn't just a good actor, but a good director, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a shame he didn't direct more. Um Speaking as Bill Pat about Bill, pa- Bill Paxton, the director, just to just throw this out there, he also directed the uh, Fishheads music video for Barnes and Barnes that he also stars in. So there's that. <laughs> Love me some Barnes and Barnes. Yeah. <laughs> Mike, what do you think? What do you think of uh, Frailty? I, I love this movie. I, I remember seeing this in the theater when it first came out, and I was actually blown away by it. I really, really enjoyed the hell out of it. Um, I like, I love the fact that for, for most of this movie, you're watching this, thinking, okay, psycho dad, psycho dad. But in the end, the actual twist is he's actually killing for God. You know, God's telling him to do that, which I thought was like, you know what? That's something I don't see very often. Because normally you you see like the you see the psycho religious nuts and everything like that all the time. You know, and that's all they are, just psycho religious nuts or whatnot. But this time around, it's like no, they're actually given the uh, instructions to do this shit. It's like wow, that was I thought that was actually kind of cool. Mm-hmm. You know, because it, it, it was one of those like wow, you're you know, it was like I don't know if you want to say you know just God sending out his hitmen. It's like you you don't see that very often. So I, th- I thought that was actually kind of neat. I, I, I like the way they did that. Yeah. I liked in the beginning 
when Bill Paxton started killing it, they kept showing it from his perspective on his vision so that it felt more real to us too. Like he wasn't, you know, it helped him not seem as crazy because we were seeing it too. Like the, the angel under the car kind of stuff. Yeah, or the you know the light, sh- the light showing the axe, on the axe you know, in the barn, like yeah. those things. Yeah, I'm with the Reebster man. I fucking love this movie. It's so fucking good. I think I got to see it in the theater too, and just fucking love it. Love it, love it, love it. I think it's great. Great writing. I enjoy the acting a lot. Those kids are great. The story, the way it's told, is really cool. You know, sometimes the going backwards, telling the story, you know, is, can be weird or clunky, but I, I liked it a lot the way this unfolded, and and the reveal was fucking awesome. And I don't know. Loved it. I shouldn't yeah. have watched this one first, because then it made all the other ones not as good. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I think the only thing that would have made this, this movie even better is... As part of the music score, they put fish heads in there. That, so. that might have been the only way. I think, yeah. Brian, as, what about, oh. as awesome as that would be, it might that might kind of take me out of it a little, just a little. <laughs> but then, uh, like you were, some you heard somewhere on some podcast that about the commentary track, and I only listened with you for twenty minutes of it or so. But yeah. Jesus Christ, that was fucking awesome. Yeah. <laughs> if whether com- you like this movie or not. If you like Bill Paxton, I highly recommend the director's commentary to this. Oh, yeah. It is a treat. You know, it's it's kind of nice because I always feel there's always a little bit of part of me that feels like I'm watching the movie with these people and yep. with Bill Paxton, you know, no longer with us. You know, it, it kind of felt nice to be sitting there and listening to Bill Paxton talk about his movie. But, yeah, you just get a, you just get a real sense of, like, the the art he really put into this production yeah. it's it's film school but really personal and yeah talking you could um and it's it's interesting that after the fact i see it but all the Hitch, hitchcockian hitchcockian references throughout the movie like hitchcock's one of his favorite filmmakers my favorite bit of of information i got out of this movie is about the beer that he drank he drank ham's beer and the prop department can only find one can of ham- <laughs> of that original 70s style Ham's beer can. So they only had the one can throughout the whole movie. So every time he opens the beer, it's off camera. Yeah. And yeah. all you hear is the... <laughs> it's always open on camera. Yeah. yeah. That was one of my favorite bits of a uh, <laughs> little, little fun trivia from the movie. So, So, Brian... Why didn't you like it? Yeah. <laughs> I have a feeling Franklin Graham masturbates to this movie. I don't know what that means. Billy Graham's kid. Oh. I I hate it for the very reason that Mr. Reed likes it. <laughs> Fair because enough. Of, because I, of I saw. Twist? Yeah, I saw this movie when it, I missed it in the theater. But I knew I wanted to see it because I'm like any normal human being. I'm a big Bill Paxton fan, and I like horror movies. So I picked it up when it came out on video. And I was like, what the fuck is this? And I hadn't seen it since that one watching. So when it came up on the list, like, okay, you know, it's, what, 15 years down the road. 
I'm going to revisit this. We'll see. Starts out, oh, I forgot Powers Booth was in this. Good. I just finished watching Deadwood all the way through. Like, I'm in a Powers Booth mood. This is fun. Uh, unlike you, I don't hate Matthew McConaughey. So I was like, I'm sure he's fine. Uh, and then as it, the movie unfolded, I remembered why I didn't like it. <laughs> I just cannot stand that twist. Like Terry said, if it had just ended where it was a family of schizophrenics and, like, because it's a, the first twist is a good twist. Oh, by the way, I'm not Fenton. I'm Adam. Handcuff. Murder. Yeah. Right? And then that's cool. that's that good. stupid fucking coda where it's like, no, by the way, I'm the sheriff of this town. I really am God's chosen, and I use my position in law enforcement to fight demons for Jesus. Fuck off, movie. <laughs> yeah. So, so that's the sheriff scene in particular, or just the just the twist in general where he's actually a, a killer for God. Yes. Because I kind of want to fight. I had. Huh. I see where it's a little too much movie at that point. I can ag- I can agree with that, no, but I also want to movie. It's a dumb idea that he's the sheriff. No, that oh, that Jesus he's... really sends him out to fight monsters. Okay, that's that just that's this. That's fine. Th- that that kind of shit is for an episode of the Bible Man TV show. <laughs> that is not what I signed up to watch a horror movie for. <laughs> That's fine. If you didn't like it for that, that's fine. I I, I thought you had a, a real problem with just the sheriff scene in general, and I was going to no, no, no. argue the, the with you sh- on the that. The sheriff thing is just stupid icing on the dumb cake. Because <laughs> I feel like if we didn't have that sheriff scene, whether or not you liked or did not like the twist, I'd be sitting here listening about how there's a big hole in the movie when they call the sheriff's department at the beginning of the movie. And and that would be a big hole. So you have to have that sheriff scene to um, to you know fill up that. Do that, that does fill the hole. It's just a yeah. I, I, and honestly, I don't really even until we find the the revelation of because I I had forgotten even what the twist was. So it was it was new to me all over again. And the whole movie is honestly kind of a chore to sit through. Like really. I, uh-huh. I, I'm not particularly fond of the the story. The child actors aren't bad, but they're not great either. Um, even Bill, which I I don't know if he was just like overworked being both the director and one of the stars for like the first half of the movie, but I, I, the whole thing is kind of flat. I don't I, know, it, man. I thought he did a great job of playing that single dad working hard. Trying to, I don't know. With the things that have been going on, you know, I, I didn't get a chance to watch this for the show. Like, I watched it with the commentary track, what was that, like last Thursday or Friday or something? Um, but I didn't get a chance to really sit down and watch this for the show um, without the commentary track. Uh, I think it was like Sunday, just because like with the stuff that's been going on with with me and my personal life lately, I was like, am I going to be able to handle this right now? Because I just remember, and I and I could see it in the commentary track beyond his talking, just the, such the uh, such the heartbreak in his eyes and the conflict that like he's got he has to do this because it's God's will, but he knows it's tearing his family apart and his kids apart, and like how much how much um, 
know, how much of, like, this, his, how much conflict between him and his son Fenton, and, like, I don't know, I mean, it's a discussion. And, yeah, had had that taken, again, that, that, the twist ruins that, like, had that been, had it been a story of mental illness tearing this family apart, it would have been a lot more compelling, but when it turns out Fenton just didn't get it and murdered his dad, who is really a good guy and is now in hell because he didn't see God's plan. It's like fuck you, movie. No, Fenton was a Fenton was a demon. It wasn't just because he didn't see God's plan. Oh, he was supposed to be a demon. Well, yeah, because he grows up and becomes a serial killer. Because he is the um, what's the killer they talk about through the whole movie? The God's hand killer. Yeah. See, I I thought that was supposed to be Adam the whole time that he was. No, because so, okay. like when, because um, when Cause the whole point of him being called the God's hand killer means that he kills demons, right? That was. I think that's another thing to kind of throw you off too, though, because I think maybe uh-huh. like Fitton's calling himself that because I think like why he's killing people is kind of stemmed from his fucked up childhood, but, but, yeah, no, he he is the God's hand. He's a serial killer in the movie. Like, because uh, I think, like, Matthew McConaughey talks about how his brother's a killer, and he's not a killer because he kills demons. And then there's that right. scene where Matthew McConaughey shows up at at uh, Fenton's apartment, and Fenton's sitting there with a list, crossing names off of a list. And I, and how cool, I'm so, you know, I'm sorry, I'll, I'll just direct this towards Jason. How cool is that scene <laughs> where Fenton's just like, Adam, and doesn't bother to turn around because he knows it's going to fucking happen. Yeah. And I'm just like, oh my god, that's awesome! Anyway, but, uh, no, you know, I get it, you know, why, why that doesn't work for you, but, um, it it actually, you know, and I think it sounds like Jason and and Mike's on the same page with me. It's kind of interesting that the, the, the one thing kind of divide, divides us, you know, where it's like it worked really well for some of us and, and not for some of us. So, but that's what you, that's what it is. Well, and I feel like even it, part of it's in the way that they played it. Like, it almost seemed like, I don't know. I guess it was just a choice from the director to make it almost seem like he was righteous at the very end, too. Like, I don't know. They could have made it more like, given it more of a creepy vibe. Like, okay, he's killing for God, but he's still fucking killing people or demons. Well, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know where that line is between what is like a supernatural demon and what yeah. is considered a demon because these are bad people. You know what I mean? Because if you when you right. go to that scene, that that's one of my confusions of the movie. But I think again, I like it because that's kind of also open for interpretation. But because um, you see that scene where you actually do see what the dad sees there towards the end, where the, what the dad sees when he touches these people, and you see that uh, you know the one guy you know was, was a child killer, and and the one lady killed her boyfriend in bed or whatever, and you know and th- those are just acts of bad evil people yeah um, so and, is and it what's pedophiles the... straight up murder pedophiles all day long <laughs> murder pedophiles and punch nazis that's fine but, and, and i do like i did like actually that bit when he shakes the fbi agent's hand and says you're a good man like i, I don't know why of all the stuff i like that but it was just nice to know like okay well it's not necessarily 
because people are after him. Because obviously that FBI agent would lock him up if he knew what was happening. So it wasn't a, you know, any authority that goes against mine is evil. Like right. that particular cop was a was an okay dude, and you know, was just doing his job. Well, and that's the only instance in the whole movie where that happens. Yeah, where he says, you know, where they're told that they're good or whatever after being touched by the god's hand. Yeah, and I, I guess it just—it also might just come down to. I mean, we don't talk about religion a whole lot on the show because that's not what we're about. We're about horror movies, but yeah. I'm very strongly anti-religion. So when the movie just flat out says, "Yep, we're doing this because God," that's where it just completely shits the bed for me. I guess. And I can and I can relate to that. I really can because I'm in the, I'm kind of in the same boat. I'm not a religious person by any stretch of the imagination, and I hate when I get force-fed religious stuff. Right? I don't really think this movie is is preachy per se. I just think it just uses that as a as a story point. And 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 I can let loose of like whatever my beliefs are and just watch the film for entertainment because it goes it goes the other way because it make it makes me think about movies that um, movies that show things that I love in an evil light in like the name of Satan or whatever you know like yeah. like movies like Trick or Treat where backward masking is a real thing and it always bothered <laughs> me. It always bo- as much as I love that movie, it always bothered me. I was like, if there are two forces of entertainment here that should band together and fight side by side, it it's should metal be metal and horror movies. Metal and yeah. horror movies. And here you have a horror movie that's saying, "Yep, these religious people are correct about heavy metal," and it's they, not the only movie the that does that. Except for the fact that they get Ozzy Osbourne to play the religious person, so I think that had its fir- tongue pretty firmly in cheek. What I guess what, what part part of what gets me too is that like you were talking about, they're not necessarily demons, they're just evil people. And it's the whole idea of religion is an excuse for vigilantism. Yeah, yeah. Because mm-hmm. what it really got me thinking about was stuff like, uh, for example, the show Supernatural. Essentially the same thing, right? Two brothers who take uh, take the mantle of Demon Hunter from their dad, except what they're fighting are are outright monsters actual supernatural yeah but i mean they even team up with angels in that show like they flat out say yes satan and god and hell and heaven are real but but all the monsters and stuff are are monsters in in the in, in every sense of the word they're not human whereas this is basically saying god gave this guy a list of of awful people to kill now if some creepy motherfucker messed with my kids you could you better believe I'd go after him with an axe too. Mm. But I don't know. It's, it, it just feels like the movie's making an excuse by saying God says it's okay. I, like, but that, it, that that bothers me. I don't know. I think I don't think it's like I. I just because it never really gets that big into the supernatural. I feel. I, right, I, I think that, like the problem if there was more if they were fighting exactly yeah. Long, horns and wings and pitchforks demons, then I would be absolutely fine with that. But because it couches everything in total realism, except for the God told me to do this and it's okay aspect, that's where that's where it loses me. Well, I'm thinking in the opposite direction here because like, um, I, mean, I mean, I could throw this out at you, but at the same time I can argue the opposite side. So I'm just saying this, right? Like, 
Who's to still say they're just not a family of crazy people? That's what that's what I wanted to ask. Cause I'm sitting here, I feel stupid for not for asking, but like I don't remember the part of the movie where it tells you that they're not just crazy people. Because when it boils down to it, when we do see what the the evil that these people have done, it's still just their perspective. Mm-hmm. It's not like it's not like um, you know that other FBI agents with him, and he shows him through touching him what Powers Booth has done. You know, right. it's still that, only Matthew so McConaughey seeing this. Yeah, right, but, but when we're just he touches seeing... Powers Booth and he says, "I know what you did." And all you know goes into the whole thing. Powers Booth goes, "How did you know? You, know, you can't do anything to me. I'm an FBI agent. They'll come for you." Like it, it's pretty explicit that he is right in his vision that he's not just being crazy. Because when when he says, "I know what you did," and, and lays the whole thing on him, he doesn't react in a in a scared, "Oh my God, you're crazy" way. He reacts in a "Fuck you. You can't touch me." because I have the authority here way. Well, I could sit so, here... And he is very guilty. Well, I could sit here and I can sit here and expect um, speculate on that all night long. And that's where I said, like, I can argue the same thing I'm about to say because of that. And the only, uh, and the only other really big thing for me that, that really tells me that, you know, that he is God's killer... Um, is the is the fact that the FBI agent can't describe him? Like I can even I can even forgive how the security camera footage just happens to not be able to track properly on his face. Just chalk that up as lucky coincidence. But uh, it's that it's that moment where that other FBI agent can't describe him, and then meets him face to face and still can't make the connection. That's like okay, right. maybe this is a supernatural thing. So. Yeah, I think they're pretty clearly pointing to that in the end. I don't know if I want to. If I'd say clearly, I think if they wanted to be clear, more. <laughs> I mean, that's what all of us thought. I think. Oh, that's why I felt stupid for not thinking that in any way. I didn't know what you guys were talking about. <laughs> I'm like, what fucking scene did I miss where they said that it's real? I don't remember that at all. Yeah. So like I, the I could walk up to you. I could, of the movie. <laughs> see, that's what I'm saying. I feel stupid now, thank you, but I don't. I don't re- remember that. I don't. I don't. I don't. That's because God scene, made you not remember it. He blanked out the security footage in your mind. I guess. <laughs> All right. So, anything else anybody have to say about uh, frailty? Nope. Okay. All right. So, uh, honorable mentions. Whether uh, father-related movies in the world of horror spring to mind. Anybody have any? Um, one of my personal all-time favorite movies, very father-heavy and everything, but uh, the original Amityville Horror. I love that movie. Oh yeah. And the the. Uh, <clears throat> Yeah, again, it's like, you know, it's the whole stepfather thing, you know, it's like, but, you know, he's going crazy, but in the end, yeah, he pulls through for the kids, so, but yeah, I just, I just always loved that movie, and Roland was always just awesome in that role. Mm-hmm. You said that, and then I instantly also thought of The Shining as another good one. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely father of the year um, for, the <laughs> sh- for The Shining, 
Yeah. <laughs> not an actual father, but uh, people under the stairs. Yeah, well, I can't <laughs> remember. Daddy. Yeah, yeah, and he's only credited as daddy in the movie, too. I, but I can't remember. Is the little girl their daughter, though? I, that, that part I couldn't remember. I mean, I know the people under the stairs are not their children, but... I can't remember remember either or maybe they I don't ever say actually come out and no say, okay i don't remember yeah yeah she she may have just been a kidnapped girl but i just don't remember her even if they say so yeah that's definitely a good one any others um do father figures count sure gary Busey in silver bullet okay yeah that's a good one I mean, I'd, I, I'd also... He's the, he's the uncle, but, I mean, obviously he's he's Corey Haim's favorite. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, um, he's everybody's favorite. That's right. Especially I, when he shoves a stick of dynamite up your butt to obtain a confession. <laughs> and no one else here has seen Eye of the Tiger. Never mind. <laughs> I'd mentioned the Firefly family, but I still don't fully understand the family dynamic there, so... Oh! Oh, how did I not think of that? Yeah, um... Uh, Captain Spaulding is... Uh, he's definitely Baby's dad. Yeah. I'm not sure if he's Otis's dad. Yeah, I'm that's the relationship I don't get. I don't... Because it's... It seems... I mean, I don't even know if Otis is, is really a Firefly, is he? Because... Yeah, I don't know. I, I, I would, I would think he's probably baby's half, half brother. I said half sister, half brother. But <laughs> I be don't think I don't think Spalding is his dad. I think that's why there's that rivalry between them. Yeah. Oh, maybe we'll learn more in the next one that's coming out. Ugh. Probably not. <laughs> Which I heard is not a prequel. They're actually continuing the story. God, so they survived the. Uh, that the pisses me off. <laughs> climax of this last movie. Devil's Rejects is one of my favorite movies ever, and it's the ending is so perfect. <laughs> I just I hate the idea that he's going to take away the power of that ending by making another one. Fuck. I don't know if I hear Free Bird one more time. <laughs> in a in a dramatic scene like that. I freaking hate that song now. Thanks to Devil's Rejects and Forrest Gump. So See, and I, I've always hated that song except for Devil's Rejects because it's so perfect in that movie. It just works. <laughs> I, I I like the scene, but I just think the song's a little contrived. I'm just, I'm sorry. But that's just me. Any other uh, effed up fathers out there? The Exorcist, because she throws father down the steps. There you go. Oh. But different yeah. kind of father. <laughs> A different kind of fucked up. Um, all right. We'll I, got, wait, I, got, I got one more. Okay. Extra. <laughs> no, for real. The, the dad yeah, gets no, I get you. abducted by aliens, is gone for years, comes back in the most fucked up way possible. And and proceeds to try to take his son over as you know to to become a, an alien monster with him. I fucking love Extro. Man. Oh That's no, a yeah, great. Movie. Extro is awesome, and I still laugh to this day 
of those like photos that were floating around the internet for a while of like some real alien caught on film. <laughs> but it was just a shot of Extro by the side of the road and from the Are movie. You serious? Oh yeah, that was going around for a while, and I'm like, the first time I saw that, I'm like, that's fucking Extro. That's not real. I had never heard of that before, but that's awesome. You just made my night. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so let's uh, let's take a quick break. When we come back, it'll be segments time here on Attack of the Killer Podcast. We'll be right back. Good evening. It's intermission time. Our service is friendly and quick. You'll find hot dogs, hamburgers, pizza, your favorite candies, hot and cold beverages, and other delicious snacks. So add to your fun of watching the movie. Visit our refreshment stand right now. We're glad to have you with us tonight. We hope you'll come to see us often. It's great to get out to the movies. And that was one to grow on. Now it's time for segments here on Attack of the Killer Podcast, and as we always do, we start out with some shout-outs. It's time for... Shout-outs! 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 Okay, just asked everybody what your favorite horror film that revolve around a father or dad. And these are the comments, shout-outs on Facebook. Up first, we got Eric J. Peterson says, The Stepfather, 1987. Terry O'Quinn at his creepy best with a script by Don Westlake. Who am I here? Best line of the movie. Best scene. Best. Totally. Uh, yeah. Up next, we got Benjamin Chi. Benjamin's awesome. He put a, I'll tell you about him in a second. Okay. Uh, he says, Ty Jones as Michael Johnson in Last Breath. Mm, I don't know that movie. Morton Ruda as Morton Raven in... I don't even know what that letter is. Morky... I don't know. Dark Souls? Different title. Dark Souls? Okay. And lastly, says... And Chris Mulkey as Robert Morgan <laughs> in Collapse. <laughs> <laughs> he says, I may be... Possibly quite biased, as these fine movies were all scored amazingly by Mr. Gilios. I never learned how to say his last name. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, all those movies were scored by Vincent, the guy who scored Collapse. Oh, Vincent, yeah. And he's right! Robert Morgan! That is a good one. I didn't even think what of it. What a dad that movie! I would call out my own movie on the show, but it's a good one. It's a good one, because he is fucked up. And so Benjamin's the guy who owns the record label Howlin' Wolf that put out the score. Oh, okay. So, thanks, Benjamin. Yeah, thanks, Benjamin. Up next, we got... Thank you, Benjamin. Yeah, Vincent chimes (laughs) in. He says, that's not true. He is not biased. (laughs) Uh, Doug Bork says, obviously, The Shining. And then a whole bunch of emojis. I don't... Are you supposed to say what they are, or... Is it just for those who can see it? Yeah. I don't know what you're supposed to do. You're supposed to move on. Thank you. Colby Keefe says Oculus, kinda. Oh, man, I don't remember Oculus at all right now. I remember liking it. Yeah, I remember being pretty good. Up next, we got Stanley Fulci. Ooh. I don't think it's... No. 
<laughs> who might have a father that uh, oh. did some cool movies. <laughs> he is from Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. See? He says the segment Father's Day from Creep Show. There you go. That's a good one, too. I want my Father's Day cake. That's good. Thank you. Uh, this next one might be a joke. Uh, oh. It's uh, Jacob Daniel Wagner says a Serbian film. <laughs> oh yeah, that's <laughs> definitely a messed up dad. I'll tell you that. Well, that's that's probably about as messed up as you can get. Yeah. Yeah. Yikes. Great There's, movie, but damn. When they were post when when people were posting that the baby was the, a the baby, baby prop was being sold. I so wanted to make so many inappropriate comments about flashlights and stuff, but I just know it was oh. Facebook was the wrong place to post that kind of stuff. You still wouldn't be back on Facebook if no, I wouldn't. So, I'd be on a major list somewhere. That's for so sure. you made sure to say it on the podcast and yeah. no one listens to you. Yeah, thank goodness. <laughs> this will be the time everybody listens. Up next, we got Alana Broyles says Jaws. That's a good father. It's a good father. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I think I should skip over the next one. It's Tad Good. Heard of him? Don't know the guy. He runs the Snake Alley Film Festival. It's coming up in two weeks. Jesus, it's two weeks already. Two weeks. Man, if that guy, if that was that guy, he wouldn't be on no podcast. No. Sure. How the fuck I'd could you do it? Concentrate on, the... on it. Maybe he needs a break. <laughs> Maybe that could from be. the headache. No, I'm, awesome. just work, I'm just working on it while I'm doing this. I so. figured. <laughs> when he gets quiet, he's into something else. Really yep. good. Okay, he says, The Good Family Christmas, 1992. <laughs> he's... No comment? Okay. <laughs> no, it, it was a joke because my family is way too poor to have a video camera to record Christmas. <laughs> gotcha. <laughs> uh, up next, Andrew Moeller. We got his top... Six, and the last one's awesome. Uh, he says, "The Shining, The Mist." Ooh, good dad, but kind of a bad dad at the same time. Sorta, of, but not really. Which is it? I don't know. I don't think I could have pulled the trigger. <laughs> That's all I'm saying. Pet Cemetery. Hmm. Good dad or bad dad? Frailty. Train to Busan. Oh, yeah. It's good, Dad. And then, uh, The Quiet Place. A Quiet Place. That's some serious, Dad. Yeah, definitely. Ah, uh, Tina Schmidt says The Shining from 1984. She says the Amityville Horror, 1979. Nice. And Frailty, 2002 is definitely a good one, also. Thanks for commenting, Tina. And then lastly on Facebook. Get a room. Oh, gosh. <laughs> lastly, Brian McNeil says, It's Alive. Oh, that's a good one, too. Because, yeah, is that guy a good father or a bad father? Right? He's Did protect- anybody say the omen? Oh. Nope. Men, stop it. You played along. I didn't want to. You make me. <laughs> That's definitely a good one as well. That's all we got on Facebook. Over on Twitter, we got Stan Parker at Stabio Stan. Stan says Father's Day from Creep Show. Nice. Yeah, and that's all we have 
on the Twitter. And remember that you can always call in and leave a voicemail, and we'll play that comment on the show. You can call us at 415-952-6857. Shorthand is 415-95-AOTKP. And that's shout-outs. Okay, up next we got It's Saints Picks. <laughs> Thank you for that introduction, Jason. Uh, in Saints Picks for this episode, I dug deep into the Tempe Video Vault for this one. Uh, from 2002, Dead and Rotting, directed by David Barton, who is more of an effects man. He's actually got some amazing makeup and effects credits um, on his IMDb. And this is his only um, film that he directed. Uh, star, it's got a great cast. It's got um, Trent Haga in it and Debbie Rashawn. Um, it's also got Stephen um, O'Mahony. Uh, and then Tempe video regulars like Tom Hoover, who was in uh, Polymorph, The Sandman, Ozone. Barbara Katz, um, Norrod, who was in Dead Next Door, Skin Alive. And my favorite old... old Old Lady Overreacting Vampire in Kingdom of the Vampire. Um, this movie came out during a very dark time for Full Moon in the early 2000s, where they were... Um, and it was also a highlight for Ohio filmmaker J.R. Bookwalter uh, when Tempe Video uh, was making their movies under the Full Moon label. So, you know, um, way even lower, less quality than demonic toys uh, versus doll man so the plot uh three redneck buddies uh, trent haga Stephen o, o um uh, mahoney and tom hoover beat the shit out of a weirdo that smells like cat piss named pox after he got kind of touchy-feely with the waitress at the local bar but pox turns out to actually be a cat in the disguise of a human being um, he is the familiar for an old witch named Abigail that lives in the woods. Uh, she puts a spell on them for to for revenge for Pox, um, and which makes them sick and gives them like um, blotches all over their faces. That goes away, uh, but they they knew it was the witch that caused it. So to get their revenge, they hire two local stoners um, to go after the witch. And the stoners kind of botch things up by actually drowning Pox while he's in cat form and killing the cat, which really upsets the witch. Now the witch wants retribution for the crime of murdering her son. Uh, steaming with anger, uh, the witch gets naked in a bathtub and turns into the beautiful Debbie Rashawn. Uh, she goes into town to seduce the three friends and then uses the men's own ill-born spawn to destroy them. This movie kind of reminds me of a lot of films, witch revenge type films, like uh, Zombie Nightmare or Pumpkinhead. Uh, some of the shots are kind of a bit dark, and some of the audio you can't hear too well. Um, the effects are, but the effects are really cool and fun. You can tell this is actually made by a guy from the effects biz. Um, 
the score for this type of film is way better than most. It's got a couple of really good songs on it and a decent um, score that's not overly repetitious that you would see in other Tempe video movies. Uh, David uh, tries to do some fun backlighting and fog effects when the undead monsters are attacking. Um, overall, it's kind of generic at times, but I'm a sucker for anything Tempe video. You know, I love The Dead Next Door and Polymorph, Ozone, um, all these movies, Bloodletting. Um, they're a lot of fun for me, and I really dig them. A lot of them are shot on video. Um, this one doesn't seem to really have, like, quality 35 or even 16, um, but I, it still looks better than standard video. So this may have been, like, an early digital film. I could not find any information on what format it was was made on, which I think is uh, important to know when you're talking about a Tempe video. Um, and also for a Tempe movie, the acting is pretty darn good, uh, but that's due, to, due more in part to Trent Haga and Debbie Rashawn more than anything else. Um, it's only 70, 72 minutes long, and there isn't a dull moment within that 72 min minutes, so that's great. So it's definitely worth a watch if you're a Tempe video fan like myself, or if you're a Debbie Rashawn completist. So um, that's this pick, pick for this week. Uh, Dead and Rotting from 2002. And then that also concludes another episode of Attack of the Killer podcast. Uh, special thanks uh, to Mike Reeb for joining us. Thanks for joining us yeah, there, buddy. Mike. Thank you for having me. Thank you. Uh, our pleasure, man. Hope to get you back again soon. Oh, anytime, guys. Anytime. And let's and get our ass to Lincoln, Nebraska, so we can go to old school video. Oh, what's there old school video? Yeah, hey, come on down. Do a podcast for my own video store. Buy, we rent, buy, sell, trade movies, movie posters, and we even have a bit of an arcade going on in there now, too. I saw that. Nice. So, yeah, like arcade games, pinball machines. Oh, awesome place. If you want to take a blast to the past... Go to old school video. <laughs> yeah, ch you know you can see a lot of the photos of the shop on on um, Facebook. So definitely look up look up old school video on Facebook and check it out. And one of these days we are going to make a trip out yep. there, Mike. We we have to. We have to. Oh yeah. So so yeah, and so thanks again, Mike, for being on. Um, I want to thank everybody for listening. Special thanks goes out to our Patreon uh, uh, supporters. Yep, if you like what you're hearing here, there's doing lots of more stuff over there and definitely could use your support. Yep, because we like making all this extra content, but it's even better when uh, people actually listen to it or watch it. So go over to Patreon and, and support us. So that's it for this episode, and we will talk to you again soon here on Attack of the Killer Podcast. Oh no, could this be the end of... <laughs> Attack of the Killer